electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. Other people make friends. I'm just trying to make you a little money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. When you get a red hot employment number right after Fed Chief Jay Powell says it might be time to get less aggressive with rate hikes, well, you might expect a brutal sell-off as traders get swept away by total confusion. But that didn't happen. Sure, we did. We went lower at the opening, but then we came roaring back. Dow only finishing up 35 points. S&P declined 0.12%, NASDAQ dipped 0.18%, but it was a huge comeback from the lows. Today felt like one of those upon further review situations like in football, where we initially sold off hard, then bounced back as we looked at the instant replay on the slow motion cameras. The quick verdict of sell everything not nailed down was reversed and the bull team kept the ball. Could it really be that easy? Yeah, sometimes it really is that easy. Lately, we've been in good news is bad news mode. A good employment report is bad for the stock market because it means the Fed has beat us mercilessly and must continue to do so with higher interest rates. But Jay Powell spoke earlier this week and he told us things are on track, basically. So the market took these hot job numbers more or less in stride. All aboard! At least with the exception of the bedraggled tech sector, which I continue to tell you is troubling. What could derail a somewhat rosy picture? How about a real spike in inflation? Which, look, we could get one just this very weekend when the OPEC Plus members meet. Now, there's a good chance they'll decide to cut back on oil production, which could push the price of crude up dramatically. Oh, look, that's a great place to start a game plan for next week because on Monday we'll have to deal with the consequences of this meeting. I believe it'll be the benign. You see, if the cartel raises output, they'll make less money per barrel, negative for them. But if they lower output, it benefits Russia, something that our government would be none too happy about. Keeping it status quo, that's the Goldilocks solution. If OPEC Plus does cut production, I think Biden should get a lot tough from the Saudis, not just on the American oil men and women. 
Tuesday. AutoZone reports. All right. This is uh, one that you might be familiar with. They have a lot of stores. I expect another great number. Why? Well, they've given us great numbers for more than a decade. And because people go there for car parts when they need to keep their 13-year-old clunkers running. I have a 13-year-old clunker. That's why I picked that. Rather than paying an exorbitant price for a new car. AutoZone keeps buying back stock. It's been one of my favorites for years. I still like it even up here. We also hear from Signet Jewelers, and this stock tends to do the opposite of AutoZone on the day it reports, at least. Signet typically trades down sharply, only to rally over the few next few weeks as people realize, wait a second, this thing's way too cheap. After the close, we get results from Toll Brothers, the home builder. I think it is worth mentioning that Bob Toll, the brilliant philanthropic Philadelphian who ran the company for so long, passed away in October. He was a great guy who appeared many times on our show and was incredibly prescient about the housing crash that got rolling in 2007, leading to the Great Recession. Yet this terrific man, always with a smile, saw it all coming. Other than that awful period, Toll Brothers consistently does well, even in a higher interest rate environment like we have now. That said, the stocks had a bit of a run going in the quarter. The textbooks say don't buy housing stocks going into a tightening cycle that could lead to a recession. I still think that's correct, but Toll could get interesting if the Fed ends up raising rates less than Wall Street anticipating. Next, anything connected to enterprise software has been devastated in this market. You know that. That's what I've been telling you. Avoid, 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 avoid. Uh, well, when is it finally going to end? Will it run its course sometime? You know what we ought to do? We ought to listen to a company, or at least I'll do it for you, called MongoDB. All right? Yeah, one way to but listen, it's another one of these gazillion database situations, and I'll, I'll suss it out for you. Then there's another I'll talk about having a gazillion of cybersecurity company. Another sector that's been beaten up and seems to know no bottom with the exception Palo Alto Networks, the best of breed. And that's set in the one, letter S, which has been a real dog down 70% year to date. Where are the stops? Well, I don't know. Nobody knows. Wednesday, we get results in three companies that fit the slowdown thesis. That's why they're all probably going to work. Campbell's Soup, Ollie's Bargain Outlet, and Brown Foreman, the maker of Jack Daniels. Uh, you know, liquor does very well in a recession, particularly beer, by the way. That's a different story. That's Constellation, which the Chapel Trust owns, uh, STZ. Now, we know Campbell's Soup has been reinvented by its terrific CEO, Mark Klaus, and Ollie's is a fantastic bargain hunting store. Uh, they've, they've all done well. The only one of those that didn't was Dollar General. They, they, they had some bad execution. Now, I am a proud soldier in Ollie's Army, their loyalty program. I bet they have a standout quarter. My Ollie's is always packed. After the close Wednesday, GameStop reports, and we find out what will become of this former uh, battleground. Now, the company keeps losing fortunes. Does anyone care? I wonder if that will matter to the rabid investor base. They don't seem to mind anything. Hey, maybe they'll put Sam Bankman Freed on the board of directors now that he's freed from his uh, arduous regular duties at FTX. Okay, my sarcastic way of saying there's nothing here. Also, Wednesday, Lowe's holds an analyst meeting. I want to hear the marvelous Marvin Ellison, what he has to say. The stock uh, the stocks of the suppliers into Lowe's have been knocked around of late as the Fed tightens and mortgage rates go higher. I want to know what Ellison thinks. He's a realist. Fortunately, by his own admission, he has more work to do improving his own stores. But I think he'll give us an honest appraisal of what the rate hikes mean to his customers. I wonder if we'll talk about stealing. That's been coming up more and more again. They call it shrinkage. Nice way to put it. All right. On Thursday, we hear from the cheapest semiconductor company that isn't really much of a semiconductor company anymore, and that's called Broadcom, symbol AVGO. Ever since its massive acquisition of VMware back in May, I consider Broadcom a cloud king. Hawk Tan, the incredibly disciplined CEO, rarely disappoints. While the cloud growth seems to be slowing, I bet he can pull an earnings rabbit out of a hat. 
Costco reports Thursday, too. This is interesting for me. We actually sold some for the Chapel Trust for a very big gain this week, telling CBC Investing Club members that the comparisons are getting tougher. We only sold some, especially because gasoline has come down. I think the quarter will be fine, but if you own Costco now, you're banking on a special dividend or an increase in the membership fee. The latter seems unlikely given that the most recent monthly data did show a clear deceleration. And that was worrisome to me. There are better stocks at this very moment for bargains. My favorite for the Chapel Trust is TJX. We did an off-the-charts feature this week on Lululemon, which comes out Thursday. I think we'll be pleasantly surprised, if not downright ecstatic about the quarter. Lulu is rapidly expanding rapidly with fabulous gross margins, and I like how its mirror division is doing. While it's expensive, I bet it'll crush the numbers. I predict what will happen is you'll be, you know, the stock will run up like heap to here on the day it reports. And people say, well, what an idiot Kramer is. Well, whatever, whatever they say. You think I really care at this point? I mean, if my mother called me in it, no, that would be a shocker. Now, on the other hand, two straggling reports Two straggling reports, Chewy and DocuSign. Hmm, I don't know about these. These are so-called COVID beneficiaries. They have been, they've spent enough time in purgatory. I really do believe that. Uh, to the point where maybe they can finally be sprung. I think Chewy's got a chance of an actual upside surprise. You know, it's a uh, pet food company. But if it runs up in the quarter again, like I'm worried about Lulu, then be careful. The market pretty much shrugged off this morning's strong employment number. But if we get an overheated producer price index number on Friday, well, that may be too much for Wall Street to handle. I bet it does come in cooler, though, and stocks go higher. At the same time, we get the latest University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index reading. Right about now, we need a boost, a big boost, if only to save Christmas for retail, where most of the money's made for retail, right in just a six, seven-week period. I'm not worried about consumer sentiment coming in too hot, only that it might be too cold. Bottom line. As the year winds down, the holidays will become more and more of a focus. Right now, the forecast is cloudy, too many cross cards. But if the job market stays strong and inflation stays tame, we could be in for still one more very good week. Let's go to John in Maryland. John. Booyah, Jim. How are Booyah, you doing John. today? I am having a good day. How about you, partner? Great. I watch your show every day, Jim, and I watch Thank it to you. learn. I call it That's my homework That's what we're about, man. Chill. That's what we're about. Thank you. Thank you. I pick my stocks that I believe have a good bottom line, good growth potential. So, Jim, what is your outlook for symbol CMI Cummings? My outlook for CMI is the same as it's been probably since we first met them when we went, we, uh, went to Indiana, and this is a great Columbus company. Uh, I think it's fantastic. I think you own it for the long term. It's in a real flying mode right now, as there are many of the industrials. I like the stock. But, you know, those who are just new to it, maybe wait for a little for it to come in. It has been on fuego. Let's go to Charles in Florida. Charles! Happy holidays, Jim. Booyah! Same to you, Charles. You. Booyah. What's up? Hey, hey, thank you for taking my call and, and for all your hard work in the market. Um, when you mentioned United and Delta Airlines, I really ran with it. Uh, I also got in the cruise lines like Royal Caribbean. And with the travel industry taking off and sailing away, why isn't Uber driving up and away? You know what? I actually think that you might. But they have a lot of competition. Remember, they're also moving, they're in food. They're up against DoorDash. They're uh, you kind of want Lyft to go away. But you know what? I'm with you. I think that Uber's a buy. I, I debated with Jeff Marks to even put it in the bullpen for the Chapel Trust because I think that they announced the pivot toward profitability a long time ago, and they're going to do it. And uh, Kostosari is a genius, so I do think that your Uber, you're going to be right with. All right, now. If the job market stays strong and inflation stays tame, 
Maybe another good week. Oh, man, buddy, today, here's one I know you're wanting to know more about. Sunrun. It's had quite a run of late. What should you do with it now? I'll give you my take. Then, is it time to try the apparel stocks on for size? I'm surveying the space and revealing my favorites. And you called in and asked for it, so we're playing MI Diversify. See if your portfolio can handle whatever this market throws at it. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere, you can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. So on Wednesday night we get this call from a fellow by the name of Matthew in New York. You want to know about Sunrun, one of the popular solar po- Power companies I get asked about all the time. Now, Matthew's clearly a regular viewer. Hi, Matthew. Because he prefaced his question by saying that he knows my position on this one. It's too speculative for this environment. But then he asked a very specific question. He wanted to know if Sunrun's recent quarter had changed my opinion. You know, that is a very fair question, which is why I promised to do some homework and come back to him. I didn't want to dismiss it, for heaven's sake. Because, you know, when the facts change, you have to be willing to change your mind. John Maynard Keynes said that. I believe it. So, let's take a closer look. In a different environment, I can see myself getting very excited about this sunrun. 
This is the number one play on residential solar power in the United States with an 18% market share, and we all know solar power is the future. They pioneered the solar as a service model where they install the panels for free. That's expensive. Handle all the maintenance and simply charge you for the power that's generated from those solar panels, which is less subject to power to price swings than the power that you get from regular utilities. They also offer the same thing for solar batteries and also power management solutions. Smart stuff. Good concept. And when you drill down, Sunrun's got an impressive growth story. These guys have seen a tremendous increase in their installed base over the years. At the same time, they're putting up magnificent revenue growth. Remember that term, revenue. Sunrun had $300 million in sales in 2015, which grew to $1.61 billion last year, and it's on track to do $2.3 billion this year. Definitely a great revenue growth story. Problem is, this market doesn't care at all about concepts, and it's not particularly impressed by revenue growth. Right now, Wall Street cares about profitability above all else. So Sunrun's in the wrong season. And when it comes to Sunrun, the earnings story is actually a lot less consistent, to put it very diplomatically. In fact, they've never even made money operationally. When Sunrun's turned a profit in the past, that's come from substantial tax credits. When you look at the operating income, it's always been in the red, and the losses have only gotten worse in recent years. Now, there's nothing wrong with taking advantage of government subsidies. Hey, you know what? They're there to be taken advantage of. By all means, take advantage of every tax credit you can. What worries me, though, is that the tax credits here are a core part of the story. They're totally baked into the business model. That means this company's hostage to Congress, a high-risk position to be in, don't you think? Would you like to be hostage to it? Plus, even with the tax credits, Sunrun lost money in 2021 and 2020. That's right, two years. They're burning lots of cash, too. Like I said before, in another kind of market, this would be a terrific story. Sure enough, Sunrun rallied like crazy from the 2020 lows to its peak early last year, climbing from the high single digits all the way to 100. Look at this. This is some run, right? Uh, and change. But in this environment, well, guess what? It's a total dog. Yeah. By the end of last year, Sunrun had already sunk to $34. Okay, came right back down. And, uh, and it's like so many revenue growth stories, but not earnings growth stories. It got hit again in 2022. Remember in the, the November pivot? Although it repeatedly seemed to find a floor around 20 bucks. By late October, it fallen to 18, which did indeed turn out to be a great buying opportunity. It's now pop, uh, bounced back to 32. Now, you're welcome to own Sunrun if you have a high risk tolerance and a long term investment horizon. But Sunrun is incredibly speculative. They're losing money on an operational basis. Their cash flows are extremely negative, and I care tremendously about cash flows. And the stock trades like a roller coaster, not for everybody. In a market this risk averse, I figure the juice just isn't worth the squeeze. Still, you should understand what you're betting on. When we talk alternative energy stocks, they're always somewhat tied to fossil fuels. It's not the only factor, but it's constantly lurking in the background. When traditional energy gets more expensive, renewables become more enticing. In short, when people see their electric bill go up, they tend to look for other options. Sunrun is the other option. So either way, you're either betting on an oil and natural gas and coal. But in this market, I'd much rather buy an oil stock with a big dividend. Or you're betting on this thing. And you know what? To me, an oil stock with a big dividend looks like this. So-called better chart. All right, now let's really talk about a complication that I typically don't do because I don't like to talk about longs and shorts and who's pushing things. But there's a fellow well-known short seller, Carson Block from Muddy Waters. He's come on TV. And he came out against Sunrun in late July. Now, his thesis is brutal. Block argues that Sunrun uses unrealistic assumptions with its models. Specifically, they inflate 
the fair market value of their systems to recognize larger tax benefits. And that and thanks to that, he says there's a real danger of the business going bankrupt. The block is right. This stock's going to be a nightmare. However, so far, the shorts have been crushed. Sunrun actually rallied 30 percent on the day, the very day the block, that block presented his thesis. I think that's because of a concerted effort among bulls to engineer a short squeeze. Yeah, it's one of these bull bear things, like a mini GameStop or something. In the end, I have no idea whether Block's allegations are true. You know what? This is the way I look at things like this. Move on. It's a risk I honestly don't want to deal with. I don't have to, I don't have to figure it out. I just move on. Now, there's one big positive here. There's really a positive that matters. It's President Biden's so-called Inflation Reduction Act, which includes some major solar subsidies, and these subsidies specifically favor Businesses, not homeowners. But I think that's pretty much baked into this thing, too. So how about Matthew's original question? Does the latest quarter change my mind about Sunrise? Well, a month ago, these guys did indeed turn in a better than expected set of numbers, including a huge revenue beat and a smaller operating loss. More importantly, Sunrise managed to earn 96 cents per share. Wall Street was only looking for six cent loss. And now there's a number. A sudden turn to profitability might seem like a game changer. Sadly, it's not as good as its sales. See, Sunrun still posted a net loss of $155 million, but then allocated $366 million worth of losses to non-controlling interests, which is how that earnings per share number ended up in the black. In other words, it's not a real accounting game. To me, it's kind of a gimmicky accounting thing. I, I don't like that either. So with apologies to Matthew in New York, I just can't get behind this darn thing. This is a market that values clean profitability and cash flow generation. Yet these guys are expected to keep burning cash through 2026 at the earliest. So let me give you the bottom line here. I like the concept of Sunrun, but not the stock, at least not now. There are environments where I'd be willing to bless something like Sunrun, although maybe not Sunrun itself, because that short board from Muddy Waters makes me nervous. But in this environment where it's very hard for business to raise capital, Sunrun's still pursuing a growth-at-all-cost strategy, and therefore I do not think it is worth the risk. We have money's back here for the break. Coming up, when your portfolio looks good, you feel good. Which apparel players are tailor-made for profits? Stick with Kramer. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.
All right, before we put a bow in this week, we need to adjust one of the biggest upside surprises of this off-cycle earnings season, right up there with the incredible numbers we got from Okta and Five Below. I'm talking about the stunning numbers from PVH, the apparel conglomerate you know as Calvin Klein and Tommy Hilfiger, which rallied an amazing 10% yesterday in response to a much better than feared, that's the key term, better than feared set of numbers. What made this impressive is that apparel is supposed to be terrible right now. We've been told repeatedly that consumers don't want to buy stuff. They only want to spend their money on travel and other experiences. We've been told that there's a major apparel glut across retail. Stores are desperate to get this stuff out of the door, right, so they can bring in new merchandise. We've been told this is a highly promotional environment where apparel margins will be gutted. Yet here's PVH managing to deliver an OK quarter. To be clear, these numbers were far from great on an absolute basis, sales down, earnings down. But Wall Street thought they'd be so much worse. And look, it's not just PVH. Coming into the third quarter earnings season, we expected very little from the apparel place. Yet, like a number of retailers, some of them turned in surprisingly decent numbers. Uh, Kramer fave Ralph Lauren, which you know I think is terrific. American Eagle, uh, Abercrombie & Fitch. So tonight we're digging deeper into how these winning apparel companies defied the odds and delivered BTF. Yes, there it is. That's better than feared. It's a powerful acronym in the environment. It's the one that Wall Street uses all the time. Let's start with the most recent, PVH, which turned in a BTF quarter two nights ago. And PVH sales were down 2%, but that was $50 million higher than the analysts anticipated. And they would have been up 7% on a constant currency basis, meaning the real pain game for that darn strong dollar, which has finally started going down in recent weeks. That's that thing's got to come down or else we're going to have a bad first quarter. Plus, they took a 2% hit from the war in Ukraine and sanctions on Russia. Not your fault. In other words, when you take out currency fluctuations and geopolitics, this would have been a pretty darn strong quarter. PVH said they're seeing growth across all regions in both Tommy Hilfiger and Calvin Klein, their two key brands, flagships, with strengthening both international and real improvements in North America, including their direct-to-consumer business, DTC, very important, big margins. All right, how about earnings? On an adjusted basis, PVH made $2.60 per share. Wall Street was looking only for $2.18. When I saw this come over, I said, holy cow, big upside surprise. Excluding some one-time items, that's only down $0.07 from the year before. Why? Even though PVH is coping with higher costs, they've also been disciplined about managing expenses and raising prices. Again, they're doing fine. And the guidance was solid, too. But the best part was the conference call. CEO Stefan Larson, whom I just think is so good, laid it all out. I'm going to quote you. Our international markets continue to execute very well across both brands with increased product strength and strong consumer engagement, end quote. He goes on, quote, being out in the markets this holiday season, I feel very good about our performance, end quote. Holy cow. While he acknowledges that the consumer sentiment is less than ideal and only getting worse, Larson stressed over and over again that PVH can deliver thanks to its strong execution, particularly in North America, although, by, by the way, they're incredibly big in Europe. They've already braced themselves for a weaker consumer and a more promotional retail environment. That's kind of a nice downside de-risking, don't you think? How's the fourth quarter going so far? Quote, we also feel good about the start of the holiday season. It's a Black Friday weekend. Performance has been in line with their expectations and are on plan, end quote. Well, I wish they'd come on our show and talk about this. This would have been a great conversation. Would have really helped you. Anyway, they're doing especially well in Europe and Asia, specifics on fire. When you exclude Chinese lockdown economy, aside from China, their Asia-Pacific sales were up nearly 30% year over year. That includes a 15% currency hit. I know, but you got it. You know, like, just, just keep it in mind that the currency is real. It's not like it doesn't matter, but it is absurd. Again, it's not like PBH had great results. I call these, res- these results 
resilient. But don't you want this resilience? In a tough environment, they're doing surprisingly well. Stock jumped more than 9% response. It wouldn't surprise me if it's got more room to run. All close mem- uh, uh, watchers of our show remember when the stock used to be up here. Okay, PVH gets the bulk of their sales from the rest of the world, so they've been hit hard by that stronger dollar. That's why I keep emphasizing that. But it's finally going in the right direction. Plus, what happens when China reopens in earnest? P- Calvin Klein sells really well there. What happens when PVH's costs come down as the Fed beats inflation? I think they will. Given that the stock's currently selling for less than nine times earnings, you got my blessings to own it if you believe something can go right here. Now, PVH got me thinking about what we heard from Ralph Lauren when they reported back on November 10th. This was another BTF, better than feared set of numbers, with sales up 5 or 13% on a constant currency basis, and their Asian business was up 17%. That is huge. Ralph Lauren had good control over the expenses and good pricing power, which allowed the earnings to come in higher than expected, too. Their forecast was solid as well, although they guided down their margin outlook. But again, why strong dollar? That said, the dollar's gotten quite a bit weaker since then. Just like PVH, Ralph Lauren's doing better than expected everywhere. Tremendous strength in Europe and Asia, even though half of their Chinese stores were closed during the quarter uh, because of lockdowns. RL was still up 33% on Asian and constant currency basis, up 15% in Europe, too. Even in the troubled North American market, they were up 3%. They also been disciplined about controlling costs, and their digital business is growing like a weed, allowing them to cut retail middlemen out of the equation. That's where the margins are. In response, the stock jumped nearly 6% in a single day, as it should, as I told you when they reported, because I love the quarter, for attacking on another 9% gain the next day after the analysts published their glowing reactions to the quarter. Other than being well-managed, just like PVS, we get the sense that Ralph Lauren's benefiting from the return to in-person work and the general reopening because people need nicer clothes if they're not going to be stuck at home all the time. All in all, very encouraging. And this is before my wife cleaned out the Midtown store this week. That won't hit until next quarter for this very undervalued stock with fantastic bloodlines. And look, this is a pattern here, people. We got better than feared results from Contour Brands. That's the parent of Lee and Wrangler jeans back in early November. Remember, that was spun off from VF Corp. While Contour had to cut its full year forecast, they delivered such a big earnings peak that it was enough to send the stock up 10% response. We saw something similar. I know, I should... It's a very inexpensive stock. This one, too. We saw something similar in Tapestry. That's the parent of Coach and Kate Spade. Big beat, lower forecast. Get the stock up 19% since then. Best one, Capri Holdings, the parent of Michael Kors, Versace, and Jimmy Choo. Delivered a big beat the day before with a light for, uh, forecast for the quarter. Yet it's now up more than 30%. Again, Tapestry, another fantastic comeback story. Meriting your attention. Even one that you don't, doesn't, that I'm not crazy about, American Eagle, a company that seems like it hasn't done anything right in the past year, and Abercrombie, which seems like it hasn't done anything right in the last decade, both delivered upside surprises last Tuesday. Both stocks were in response. In the end, I think Wall Street simply just got too negative on a power because it feared gluts that would create a promotional atmosphere. While the overall environment remains ugly, you don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. There are well-run apparel plays with good brands that can clearly do just fine in a tough environment. Bottom line. After the huge run in the apparel stocks, I recommend ringing the register on the lower quality ones so that you can swap into something better like PVH or Ralph Lauren or my favorite Lululemon, which reports next Thursday. People are going back to work. They want to look nice. And these are all the stocks that benefit. Why don't we take some calls? Let's go to Manny in Arizona. Manny. Jimmy C. Happy December. Thanks for having me on the air. Uh, I'm glad you're calling in, Manny. How can I help? 
Hey, just want to get your opinion on Zillow Group and other prop tech companies during a real estate downturn and how they compare to the uh, real estate pros at House.com. Um, I, I have to tell you, I think that Zillow is both a poorly run company and a company that used to, that is really better as a site. I'm tired of companies that are better sites than they are companies. They screwed up. They did this house buy sell. I said it was a bad idea at the time. And then they got out of it. And I need to see a better management team there. Let's go. To, that was yes, that was harsh. Because I am harsh if they lose you a lot of money. Let's go to William and Marilyn. William. Hey, Jim. How are you doing tonight? I am doing well, William. How about you? Doing well. Just like to give a shout out to my business teacher, Mr. Mertz. Give you a booyah. And I want to know, yeah. should I take up a position in Under Armour or should I stay away? Okay, got a new CEO, a new uh, people in there. Um, uh, I, I am a big fan of Kevin Plank, but it is a show-me story, and I know he won't mind my saying that because he knows that I told him, listen, I got to see what's going to happen. I think that's only fair. That's what we're all owed. I recommend ringing the register on the lower quality apparel one so you can swap into something better. PVH, Ralph Lauren, or my other favorite, which reports this week, Lululemon. What's where we made money at, including Kramer uh, and Fave, am I diversified? Can your portfolio pass a diversification test? I'll be the judge. And today we had a red-hot employment number, and shockingly, the averages didn't get crushed. What the heck's going on? And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Having a well-rounded portfolio is one of the most important parts of investing. That's why I like to teach my viewers how to diversify their holdings so to protect them from the whims of the market. You can't have that all tech, all oils. Think, oh, that would have worked. It would have been terrible. And that's why we play MI Diversified. This is where you call me. You tell me your top five holdings. I tell you maybe you need to mix it up a little. Maybe you're not diversified enough. And so with that, let's kick it off with some tweets. First, we're going to Johnny on Twitter who says, at Man Muddy on CNBC, at Jim Kramer. Hi, Jim. Booyah. Booyah. I'm a big fan of your show and the uh, and a CNBC Investment Club member. I love, listen, guys, join the club. I am teaching like mad in the club. Jeff Marks and I, every day, we urge you to join the club. Anyway, I thanks our staff, and our staff is terrific, and he's got five stocks. He's got Honeywell, United Health, Meta, Goldman Sachs, and Palo Alto. Very interesting, because he knows I like these stocks. Hey, United Health, and we own Humana, for, uh, which is a rival for the, ch- for the club, but United Health is absolutely terrific. Goldman Sachs, we own Morgan Stanley, a rival to Goldman Sachs. But you know I like Goldman Sachs. Honeywell, that's the, our key aerospace play. We don't own Boeing anymore. Made some money, lost some money. Uh, Meta, the, that's the old Facebook. Very good company. You know we own a small position in it. Very good reorg going on there in terms of cutting costs to get them in line with the revenues. Then Palo Alto, which is the finest cybersecurity. So the question is, is this cybersecurity the same as, as Meta? And I say no. This is actually, fortunately or unfortunately, an advertising company. This is, that's what it really turned out to be. This is a cybersecurity company. A very good uh, health insurer, a great aerospace and uh, diversified manufacturer, and a fantastic financial. I am giving Giants Portfolio a total blessing. And thank you for being a member of the club. Do I, uh, why do I care so much about the club? Because that's my primary way of teaching now. I do this and I do that. Now let's go to Bobby in Kentucky, who must be lucky because he's from Kentucky. Uh, Bobby's got, let's, uh, let's see. 
Hey, Jim, this is Bobby Atwell, uh, retired military. I uh, just want to know if I'm diversified on my stocks. I've got AT&T, Pfizer, Altria, um, Dow Chemical, and Exxon. Thanks a lot for all you do for the investors out there. Bye. I'm always, uh, the thing what I do for investors versus what he's done for our country, I do not, don't worry, the comparison's not lost to me. This is a real guy. We're all real, but I'm, you know what I mean. Okay, ATT, not my favorite, all right? I like T-Mobile, but he likes the yield probably. The yield has been cut. The dividend has been cut. I don't like that. Dow Chemical, Jim Fitterly doing an absolutely fantastic job as Chemical. Really nice dividend. Altria, I don't like the tobacco stocks, but I will give them their dividend due. Uh, ExxonMobil, great dividend. Good, uh, well, you know, let's just say more of a, a better story than it used to be with New Board. And Pfizer, another dividend. This man likes income. Nothing the matter with that. A drug company, a telco company that I do not like, and I don't like their management. A terrific chemical company. A tobacco company. I don't recommend those stocks, but I understand they do give you good yield. And a fine oil, I prefer Chevron, but that is a diversified portfolio. Next, we have Andrew in North Carolina. Andrew. Hey, Boo Jizzle Jim, my man. So I currently have numerous stocks, but uh, top five for your show purposes, no particular order. We'll go Tesla, Eli Lilly. Palo Alto, Taiwan Semi, and Ulta. Rhetorical question, but am I diversified or what? Well, hey, Ulta had a good quarter. Stock shouldn't have been down. That was a mistake. The quarter was really good. It just ran into it. So don't read anything into the action today. All right, let's go to work. Taiwan Semi, well, we know that that's a great foundry that so much is made. They got to do more here, and they're going to try it. Semi, semiconductor foundry. Palo Alto, number one cybersecurity player, particularly now the CrowdStrike's been defrocked. Uh, Tesla, well, we know, is anyone in the world that, hello? I mean, like, I think, you know, there's 8 billion people on Earth, and there's no one yet, I think, that I've met who didn't know Tesla. Uh, Eli Lilly, have a nice move again today. So do the rest of the drugs. We are in it for the obesity drug, not the Alzheimer's. Stay tuned on the Alzheimer's. And Ulta, really one of the great retailers of our era, with 39 million. But that, more than 30, I think it's almost 39 million members. I mean, holy cow. I'm a member, by the way, and I love the app. Okay, so we got a retailer, we've got a semi foundry, we got a cybersecurity, we have an auto, and we got a drug. I mean, that is exactly what we're looking for. That is it, okay? Now, let's see what John in Wisconsin has for us. John. Hey, Jimbo. It's John from Wisconsin. Happy holidays. Am I diversified? Shopify, Procter Gamble, Kroger, V, and UPS. Well, let Jimmy Chill take your care of this one. Yeah, they call me Jumbo when I was growing up, I'll tell you that much. UPS, Cow to May, a nice yield. I think they're going to have a decent holiday. AbV is still good yield, good drug company. We made a huge amount of money for the Chapel Trust. We moved on. We made a lot of money in, that, in UPS, too. Kroger, I like the quarter. I thought they did a good job. People worried about the, uh, the deal with Albertsons. They didn't talk enough about that. Procter & Gamble, back to 150. We're starting to look a little better for the club for that one, finally. And then Shopify, excellent quarter. Okay, so this is an online fulfillment this is a transport, a drug, a supermarket chain, and a consumer products company. More perfection. John rocks. That's it. And I hope everyone, there are a lot of club members here, I know, because a lot of these stocks we've either owned or own now. Mad Money is back after the break. Coming up, Kramer takes your calls, and the sky is the limit. It's a fast fire lightning round. Next.
All right, before we get started with the lightning round, I do once again remind everyone that this is the perfect time to join the CMEC Investing Club. We are serving up an incredible offer that ends very soon, so please don't miss out. All the info is here. Just scan this code with your phone or go to CNBC.com slash Kramer Cyber Monday now. And now it is time to the lightning round. Play this out. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski day time for the lightning round. Let's start, with, let's start with Rick in Florida. Rick. Hello, Dr. Kramer. How about the Eagles? Oh, man, love the birds. Love the birds. Be here Sunday. What's up? I need your opinion, uh, intermediate and long-term, on Paramount uh, Paramount uh, Group. All right. Yeah, this is not the, tele- this is not the uh, entertainment company. This is actually a real estate company, and it is very inexpensive, but at the same time, I don't like office real estate. So I'm torn on it. Cheap, but maybe a value trap. Let's go to Adrian in Illinois. Adrian! Hello, Jim. I want a first-time caller and a long-time listener. I want to thank you for sharing your knowledge uh, with us and uh, teaching me to be a better you. investor. Thank you, Adrian. Appreciate it. How can I help? Okay. Uh, with our, our quest to break our alliance on fossil fuels, I've been uh, reading more and more articles regarding nuclear power. Uh, even this morning, uh, CNBC had an article about... Uh, a lot of money uh, from venture capital uh, moving into nuclear power. I'd like to okay. know if uranium is a good investment at this point Look, in time. Look, I think you and, and I both recognize that it's clean energy, but you and I also have to understand that there are no there are no consistent plans right now in this country for nuclear power. It has too many enemies, and as long as it has too many enemies, it is not worth investing in. Let's go to Ken in California. Ken. Yo, Jimmy Joe, what is good? What's happening, man? What's going on? All right, good. Uh, I got a stock with superb relative strength, hit an all-time high this week. The 2023 is a stock picker's market. Can I trade or fade? Extreme Networks, EXTR. Extreme Networks, that's Ed Court. He came on many, many years, and I saw him at the when the Super Bowl in Minneapolis when the Eagles won. That was, what, probably uh, February 5th of 2018. Uh, is when I saw him. And you know what? I think it's a very good networking company. Unfortunately, the stock is up in a straight line. It is too high. Ed won't mind this if I say, let's just let it cool off a little, and then you can do some buying. Let's go to Jeremiah in Texas. Jeremiah. Hey, Kramer. This is Jeremiah from Austin, Texas. Man, I'm a big fan. Uh, whenever I look at the stocks, I look at uh, the financials, deep dive into it. Um, I really like Supermicro Computers Incorporated, ticker SMCI. What do you think? It's a quadrant to me. It's incredibly undervalued, and yet it has high growth. Seems too good to be true, which means we have to go to the Stoto man. That's right, Ben Stoto, also known as Chef, but, but we all call each other Chef. That has many other reasons. It's best to do with the show that the guy who first told us to watch it never did. But I do think we have to go to Stoto and figure out exactly what that company does now and why it's so cheap. Let's go to Donald in my home state of New Jersey. Donald! 
Good evening. Boo, 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 yeah, Jim. Hey, where's NVIDIA going? Looks like it's on a bullish All right, here. NVIDIA just had a nice bounce, but we know that they have big inventory issues. Uh, we heard that from Marvell this, uh, just yesterday. Marvell, great company, big inventory problems. They all have the hyperscale inventory. In other words, it's all built up in the system. I think theirs goes through and is done and is flushed by the first weeks of January and will be in better shape. It still may be. I'm going for the Chapel Trust. We did sell some because we do not like a situation where inventory is what's in control. How about we go to Kate in Georgia? Kate. Hi, Jim. Recently, um, I saw. (laughs) It's good to hear your voice. I saw another contributor, and he specializes in charts on CNBC. And I really respect him and like him. As a matter of fact, he did one on Eli Lilly a while back saying it was going to break out. And, of course, Eli Lilly broke out. But I knew there was a high probability because I'm in the investing club. Oh, perfect. Yeah. But recently, he did one on gold. And I did my research, and I looked into it, and I decided to go with one of the positions that's in the bullpen. And I want to know how you feel about it. How do you feel about Barrett's gold? Okay, I have been wrong on Barrick. I I like it. I've liked it, and I'll continue to like it. It's got a good yield, but the problem is, is the dollar's got to get weaker. And in that case, if the chart is good, you can be a buyer of Barrick Gold. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up. What's good for the goose is bad for the gander? Take a gander as Kramer unravels the Fed's peculiar impact on stocks. Next. Last night I spent the top of the show explaining how good news is bad news when the Fed's tightening. Meaning what's good for the economy can be bad for the stock market because it means more aggressive rate hikes to come. Yeah, today we got this red-hot employment number with terrific job creation, highly expected wages, and some of the averages, well, they didn't plummet. In fact, they ended up rallying hard from the earlier lows. The Fed has been relentless in its rate hikes, but they've done nothing, little, or let's say little or nothing to dent hiring. Now, you'd almost think that what they're really doing is cutting rates, not raising them. Let me put it this way. We created more than 260,000 jobs in November, not far below the number of jobs we created the month before, despite another 75 basis point rate hike from the Fed, the fourth in a row. It's kind of insane when you think about it. According to the Wall Street Playbook, when you see this kind of employment data, it means that the Fed needs to go on the warpath to stamp out inflation, meaning lots more massive rate hikes to come. But maybe that's the wrong way to look at it. That's what I started thinking. It's the wrong way. See, when you break it down, lots of these jobs, 88,000 were added in leisure and hospitality. Now, wait a second. Doesn't that make a ton of sense? Think about it, right? Given the post-COVID reopening, people rushed into everything they couldn't do in the worst days of the pandemic. And employment in, in the hospitality industry, get this, is still below its pre-pandemic level by 980,000 positions or 5.8% more jobs to come there. Then 45,000 of these jobs were created in healthcare, another industry that was more or less on pause during the worst phase of the pandemic and is now simply catching up on its old growth. All aboard! Nearly everything non-urgent ended up getting postponed so doctors could focus on COVID. The government itself added, well, state and local, it's all the governments, added 42,000 workers as many state entities are indeed flushed with cash. 
again, beyond the Fed's control. On top of that, construction and manufacturing combined gained 34,000 people. I bet that number will only go higher as all the federal infrastructure money starts flowing next year. We'll need way more people to build all the bridges and tunnels and roads and semiconductor plants on Washington's dime. None of these are sensitive to rate hikes. They won't stop if the Fed funds rate goes from five to even six. And that's one way you must look at it. Another way, though, is to say that don't look a gift horse in the mouth. If we do want a soft landing, and we do, then we need some industries to create jobs, right? Some other industries need layoffs to keep inflation down. We want lower inflation. Doesn't necessarily mean we need mass firings. Doesn't hurt that Jay Powell basically just told us to expect a 50 basis point hike at the next Fed meeting. He had to know what these job numbers kind of, he didn't have probably in front of him, but he had a real sense. And hey, I do see a lot of layoffs coming. I am surprised that we've had so many guidance warnings in technology, but so far the firings are relatively few and far between after you get past the 11,000 people that Meta had to let go. I'm also surprised that so many of the 600 companies that received public money in the last three years, meaning raised money, places like here, the New York Stock Exchange. By the way, we're at the New York Stock Exchange. You may not know that. Give me, like, just show, show, see, look at that. See? Ice Company. It's all there. It's all there. And look at it. It's here, too. Just want to keep people clear. See, New York Stock Exchange. All right. Uh, this is where a lot of money's raised. Now, many of these firms should have run out of money by now, right? But it hasn't happened. It's incredible. I mean, maybe they just got good at conserving it. It might, though. It might be coming. There are enough warning signs out there that it's clear the rate hikes will begin to impact far more employers. No, not the government or healthcare or even construction, because that could be infrastructure related. I'm talking about tech companies, enterprise, software, fintech, entertainment tech, all of which to me are very vulnerable. Many of the more marginal ones are really holding on by the skin of their teeth and their stocks are like at a dollar. I can't talk about them. That's why I think it's a good idea for the Fed at least to slow down the pace of the rate hikes and scale down the size, too. It's not like the economy is teetering. There are still more jobs than we have people. But we've gotten so many warnings from corporate market in the last three weeks that I bet one more 50 basis point rate hike can help steer us to a softer landing rather than a crash landing, which no one but the rich bears... Are hoping for. I'd like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you. Right here on Man Money. I'm Jim Kramer. See you Monday. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.